0: Welcome to episode 13 of Coffee Brewmance, the episode where we catch up with Zane and myself after an origin trip to Colombia and Brazil, and Zane mainly talking about his experience so far in the UK. Sorry for the delay of about a month since the last episode, but we have been busy, Zane has been emigrating, and I've been touring coffee farms. We did invite Kath to the presentation, and she did try to join us, but we lost her midway. So... Enjoy the episode. It is quite long, but guess what? You can press pause. And where are you mainly
1: working? Is it London or...? No, it's outside Greater London... Um, so, Greater London's like a big circle highway. Just from outside that, um, all across the country, up till just outside Birmingham, outside Leicester, more or less.
0: What's the coffee scene like there?
1: Where I am, it's up and coming. So, there's a couple of really good guys um, in each major city, and those are the ones I'm going to. Fo- uh, those are the areas I want to focus on. And then, some of it's like crap, or just like little cafe that's trying to improve whatever. Um in London it's really good and in um Bath it's really good. But those are um, none of those are my areas.
0: Okay. And uh what's it? Is it still espresso mad or pour over or what's Yeah it's
1: espresso and milk. Like uh, everywhere else in the world. Oh.
0: I mean I we when I was in Colombia, I mean we we I went to this little coffee shop in Pizzolito and they're serving chemex I mean this you must understand this is the equivalent of going uh i'm just trying to put it in perspective in south african terms like going to not even anything as fancy as J bay i mean this is a simple place and there's a coffee shop doing hario and chemex and pour over and then of course we started talking and then like show me how you do your chemex but i thought myself you know this i'm in the middle of nowhere here i mean the hotel barely has hot water And I can get a Chemex. <laughs> That's how, I mean, and it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, really. Uh, so it was amazing. I mean, it's only when I thought afterwards, I was like, we were driving. I was going, that town is like pretty remote and nobody really goes there. And he has this coffee shop. and But their culture, their coffee culture is different. I was talking, I was talking to them, they, said they do a lot of um, coffees at, in the afternoon towards the evening. So they do coffees before they go out. Not like uh, not like here where we do coffees in the morning. So they, I mean, we were we were there in the morning and it was empty. And I asked the guy, um, and he said, "Yeah, no, they uh, they get busier after lunch." So it's quite an interesting culture. Uh, uh, and the, the the Colombians are very proud of the of the fact that they're all Colombians and they're not. They might speak Spanish, but they're definitely not Spanish, so, which is quite cool. Yeah. And, uh, and how are you, how are you finding your, the ex- acceptance of, I mean, are you guys, how's union roasting? Is this going more towards a lighter style or salt sticking to a classic
1: yeah, that, roast? Yeah, that's, um, that's one of the big focuses, especially in London is, um, the, the two guys that are the main account, I'm an account manager. So we oversee different areas. There's two guys that do London, um, and there's a guy that's I've been on the job, what, probably on the job four weeks. He's been on it like a week and a half. Um, he's actually based in Bath and Bristol. So that's where Kelowna Dashwood comes from and everything. So he actually comes from Kelowna's, there's Kelowna and Smalls is the cafe and he comes from Kelowna and something, it's more the brewery bar side. So he worked there and made coffee for like two years or whatever. Um, so... I, the guys in London only push like top end equipment, single origin espresso, um, like the darker blends, like the Seattle blends. They don't ever push that to anyone. If they they'll actually if they find someone like that who wants that, they'll they'll really discourage them. And if they really insist, then they'll actually push the, give that account to someone else because that we're trying to get more into that side. Um, so
0: unions are a lot more on lot more. Let's call it third Wavy, because I actually hate that word, but let's use it as a reference. Then they are in South Africa.
1: No, in South Africa, it's just they're the roast for Seattle. uh I
0: okay. guess so. Union, uh, are they supplying a lot of different coffee shops?
1: Yeah, there's just there's loads. Um, there's huge growth that uh, that's happened unexpected. Um, there's loads of um, chain restaurants who are doing like like a really good restaurant, like a I don't know. You can name a good restaurant, but they just happen to have 20 stores across the country and they all want, like, La and and a pretty good blend, you know? Um, and then you get all the way through to, like, hospitality companies who will, like, get the contract to do... So, one of the biggest contracts that they have is this, um, this company that's got the contract for Sky News. So, every yeah. single um, eating area in Sky News, there is... Um, they've bought... Lamazoka equipment and top Mazda grinders um, and Uber boilers and pour over kits and everything. So there's like 10 cafes and there's another 10 planned. So um, is, it
0: outs- is it an outsourced cafe that Sky use or is it Sky run? It's
1: Sky use and they subsidize the fees. So they'll say every time a staff member puts in one pound towards food or coffee or whatever, they'll put in three. So um, it is like literally like flat white was like like one pound, which is uh, no even less. It's like seventy p or something, which is not it's much. Like twenty grand. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so they subsidise. They pay the. They pay the difference. Yeah. Oh, okay, but the, it's run by Sky
1: or it's run by, uh, by another company. And they, it's run by another company that's to the name that they do those types of. Uh, they actually started. They started off doing things like security and cleaning and those types of things, and then they decided to offer a catering or a hospitality arm to it.
0: Anyway, um, so how was London Coffee Fest?
1: Wow, it was very cool. Um, I've never, like, I expected it to be a bit bigger, but the, the quality of stands and people and things and how many people came there and how many people were keen was like that was phenomenal you know Um, it's kind of there's two there's two main floors but then there's also like a third sub-level floor so there's almost almost three floors um, yeah very cool
0: but uh, I think the problem is people think it's like the SCAA but it's not really it's it's London Coffee Fest
1: Yes, it's it's mostly guys trying to push their coffee brands. Um, So they had a couple main sections that were like specialty proper artisan coffee. Um, And then they had a couple areas that are like the bigger, trying to come across like their specialty, but they're not really. Um, And then we had like a couple of, about 10 different tea companies and a whole bunch of weird things like guys trying to sell like coffee liqueur or things that are uninteresting. For you for me, but for other people, maybe not. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you see people there, so that's cool. But, like, there are literally a couple of stands, like, in some of the small areas. You walk by, and everyone else around them is, like, fairly busy. And then there's, like, a guy there from, like, Ghana or something. And he's got, like, he's trying to sell green beans. I'm like, this is not really the right place. I don't think I saw anybody come past him. Shame. And then I saw a whole bunch of uh, coffee stuff, either on stands or for sale, that, like, you've only seen online. I really like um, like the Alpha Domenici thing. Um, you, could so you play with it? Make, sorry? Did Sorry, you play with it? No, no, I wasn't allowed. Oh. Wasn't allowed to. But I asked loads of questions. I saw them make a tea, and I made a make a coffee, and it's really awesome. And it's like it looks like it's designed and made by Apple, but it's like fourteen thousand pounds for something that's like like a super glorified like siphon filter thing. It's like over typical American over-engineered for no reason like it's, it's...
0: <laughs> well it's like a clover I mean
1: it's... yeah it's exactly like a clover it's like wow made really well does an amazing job I'm prepared to take a knock in that slight bit of quality and save myself like 13,000 know? yeah,
0: pounds I didn't actually realize they were that expensive I mean I've seen them online I didn't realize that. I thought maybe like
1: might be exaggerating but if I am it's not by much
0: uh-huh.
1: I looked looked, and I was like, I'm like, that's like the price of like 2K30s, um, top of the range, like three group, Black Eagle. And, you know, it's like, I was like, yeah, it wasn't, but it was cool. And then I saw this, this company that, uh, uh, VersaLab, have you seen those grinders?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they cause uh, only sell online, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was chatting, What did you think uh, of them? They were really good. Um some weird I have, I have a concern with the way they
0: dose into the grinder. That's so because I, 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 you can't play with it. You know, they've got that funny like cup measuring equivalent, you know, that, that you put the coffee into. Yeah. Did so you play with that? But I suppose you could dose the weight like the, yeah, no, the, the sure.
1: DK43. He, he shows and he says he works it out by. Um, um, you put these rings in, and they're very micro, like very thin rings. And <clears throat> the more rings you put in, the less you can put in, or something, or whatever it is. Um, but he says it's within one bean difference of wow. each time maximum. So, but you st- not- still got. To, I mean, for a blend,
0: that's a mess. For yes. a single origin, that's not too blended. Although, as technically all coffees are. Blends because they blended at origin, but let's not get into that. They, they, it's fine, but uh, I suppose you could pre-weigh each dose. Uh, but it's, an, it's I actually emailed them to find out they agents, uh, but they only sell online.
1: Okay, yeah. They, that,
0: that price wasn't that bad. I seem to remember it was close to the Climapro. Am I right?
1: Yeah. So, probably yeah. So I, I thought it was really good because when you he explains the. The type of metals that to use, and he explains the the type of engineering precision that to use in each thing, so that the no known doesn't wobble and everything like that. It's like, wow! Like they didn't just; do, they didn't, it wasn't like the Alpha Diminchi where they went overboard and they didn't need to. They like, in order to get that standard he wanted, he had to do that. So, it's, yeah. it's a really well-made, very good product. It just
0: so it's somebody who's, who's passionate about grinding has applied his engineering to it.
1: Yeah. That is really cool. Just a few things that I didn't like were more aesthetic things, which is fun. But that's
0: you, so, and You don't like a, a certain things that are aesthetic. Actually, but actually, I also don't like some aesthetics. But it looks quite cool. I mean, I, I think in a coffee shop it would look like, uh, you know, if you're going for the steampunky type look or the scientific yeah. look, it's a, it's a cool look. You know? I think it's more yeah. of the scientific lab look. Um, I think those are cool. I don't has anybody got them in South Africa I don't think I said they'd sold some when I e- emailed them
1: um, probably he says you find it's like a top end home user you said sometimes they get cafes interested um, so they're there for the guy who's got a GS3 at home or a little uh, linear uh, one group classic type thing you know mm,
0: okay so were that the two most impressive things you saw or you you saw sitting no, uh,
1: what else did I see I'm just-
0: yeah, so, anyway, I mean, I, I think for the podcast, I, I think it would be keen just to catch up with you, so I think we've covered a lot of that stuff anyway. I I still want to talk about Brazil, but I'll give you a quick summary if you're interested.
1: Yes, very cool.
0: I went to Brazil expecting basically, well, how can I say, nothing. I was expecting to see coffee, the way coffee's done, the way coffee's, you told coffee's done. And I was actually very impressed. I mean I saw uh three of the four farmers that I saw are extremely passionate about what they're doing extremely passionate they they're going, yes, you know well our Brazilian in Brazil we've got some limitations, you know we've got to grow low, we've got to do this we've got to do that. so how can we get past these limitations so they they've experimented with shade. they've experimented with you know um, the different kind of uh growing methods um and so uh, I mean, the one, the guy who I saw was most impressed with the, was this guy um, who ran the Sao Paulo farm. Young guy, he's 29, he's an agronomist, went, left the farm, his dad owns three farms, left the farm, studied agronomy, and basically he's come back and said, looked at what position they plant, the plants, When is it facing the sun during flowering, is it facing during fruiting, is it is facing to this. He's done a huge number of work on increasing the water table uh, levels in his farm. He uh, trying to understand why the biomass is there. He's been promoting natural biomass growing, promoting What's the. the it's basically weeds. That's without being nasty, but in weed. in yeah, in basically not weed, <laughs> but, uh, weeds. Basically, the stuff that grows naturally. So if you just leave fallow land. So essentially, what they do is leave the land between the coffee trees fallow. And I also saw this in some of the top estates in Colombia. Uh, although an estate in Colombia is seven hectares, you know, in Brazil it's three hundred hectares. So there's a, a little bit of a difference. <laughs> um, but so what, what he what they've been doing is saying let the, f- the stuff grow naturally. Now in, in in wine they grow wheat between in the in the when, after they after they pick they grow wheat. And essentially, what that does, if you, if you, I don't know if you saw that video with um, Wendelbo um, uh, talking about the microorganisms and the work he'd done with the federation with the soil. Oh no, but he basically was saying that these soil, the, these things in the ground, you're trying to promote these natural microorganisms and uh, yeasts and all those things that exist naturally in the soil. And how do you do that? Well, you plant stuff that it grows that, that they like. And this is what he's been doing. He's saying, well, what, if you think about it, if you leave land fallow, f- what happens? It grows stuff naturally. You, you know, you don't you don't yes. find ground that's not growing stuff unless it's been plowed. So he's done all this work on growing, letting between the trees, letting it grow naturally. And then they basically re, uh, they reintroduce it back into the earth and they actually create their own compost from it. He's producing so much compost that he's actually selling compost. Now, I spoke to um, some of the guys in Colombia, and they say the bio, just the, the wet product from the from the the fruit of coffee, is around about 30% of that you can is reused. Uh, all of it, if you reuse it, is 30% of your compost bill. So, to okay. to add another seventy percent of stuff that 's growing on your farm is quite impressive, and what he 's fine I mean I saw when I saw this guy 's fruit in Sao Paulo he, he it was very green, very you know, the, very consistently um, ripe, not as impressive as the stuff I saw at Caravella's farm, but it 's impressive, and he he is spending so much time. Um, looking at his phosphors and his magnesiums and all this. So they do a lot of soil analysis and they do a lot of water table analysis and a lot of water analysis. And, and, they, um, um, and they're basically saying, well, we, we mechanically pick. So how, how can we mechanically pick the best way? And there was a, not only them but also Pantano, the other farm so they go and they say, well, we, we have to pick mechanically because we don't have – our farms are too big, Okay. Yeah, And then they basically figure out which is the best way to mechanically pick. So they either either they try and make sure that per, certain parts of the of the tree are ripe uh, than others. Or they, like this guy from Ronnie he Sao he's sort of like figured out that the, the level of uh, eth- ethanol, ethyl, ethanol, not, not the alcohol, but what performs alcohol in the tree, if you can get it balanced along the tree, you get a very similar ripening tree. So that's sort of what he, he had figured out. So he's trying to make sure it balances. The, so he looks at the levels, and then he feeds the tree to make sure the ripeness is all at the top, then at the bottom. So when they pick it, they pick these trees with very ripe fruit. And then they then separate their fruits, so, which they do. They separate it into ripe, overripe, um, uh, insect-damaged, and uh, uh, underripe. And they separate it mechanically. So And it's all done by the machine. And they process them all differently. So the the ripes and the over The over they sell to a large Swiss organi- organization who likes the particular coffee that over-ripe coffee is produced. No names mentioned. <laughs> um, but they process it slightly different. They actually process it with sulfur. The under-ripes, they, um, they then ferment. They process
1: it with sulfur.
0: Yeah, they, they cover it with sulfur, which is actually what they do in the wine industry to stop it from fermenting. So if you add sulfur onto grapes, it stops the fermentation process. Mm. So that's what he does: is they, they sprinkle the sulfur and they, they process it differently, and then they they don't do a full dry process. And even in the in all the farms that do, the dry process is six days, six five six days, and then they um, then they mechanically dry in a very slow dryer. All of the farms I went to. So that's quite an interesting philosophy. And I think what's interesting then they then sort afterwards. So these farmers, so that in that area, in, in the Minas Grias area where I was, there's 570 odd farmers that have formed, they basically got sick and tired of the two largest co-ops who only pay on sea market price at, or a discounted sea market price because obviously they've got to make money. And they created their own association or co-op which they call Exposera and they specialize in trying to grow high quality coffee. So, and they're pretty, pretty successful. I mean, 30% of the stuff that they're producing is scoring 80 plus. And that's quite impressive. I, I, well, I think it's quite impressive. I mean, if you consider that a typical farm produces, a typical farm is well processed in Colombia. Uh, I mean, if you take 100 farmers, if you're getting 5% of them producing specialty grade, that's a lot. Um, so the, the fact that these farmers are now producing 30% is above 80, so they call, they call that. Um, uh, above 83. Uh, sorry, it was above 80, and above 83 is when they put specialty grade. Now, the guys who we're dealing with, Falcon Specialty, you, who are in the UK, they then take only the stuff that's around 87, and then they, from those, they'll cup 20, and they'll take two. So I cut quite a lot of coffees there, and look, Brazilians, you know them Brazilians, I call them, they're a little bit flat there, their acid levels are a little bit low, but the coffees weren't bad. I mean, I, I was scoring... To me, the scores are between 83 and 85. Most of the coffees were there and thereabouts. But they don't cup the coffees that don't pass certain screen levels. So they screen them and they reject them on brocker and insect damage. And I took, posted a couple of pictures. But they basically do a cross-sample. The farmers deliver the, the coffee in green, in, in one-ton bags. Get your head around that, a one-ton bag. And they're big bags. I saw them. And they basically take a cross-sample of the bags and then they from that cross-sample, they then grade the coffees. They say, how many, of, how many of this, how many of this, how many of this, and then they'll take, if this if enough of it passes a certain amount of level, then they all cup it. And if they cup it, then they then they accept it. And then they optically and visually sort it. And then they put the high-grade coffees to the one side, and then they sell, 70% of it's uh, basically sold at C-grade price, or and then they add levies on for specialty grade or rainforest or, Uts or whatever. But those... You know the the so-called stamp certifications like Uts and rainforest and fair trade and all that stuff. Those I've got I've got a very small levy. So if a farmer produces a, is, produces coffee, then it's rainforest alliance, he gets one percent. If he produces a lot of his coffee at 83 plus, he gets fifteen percent. So I mean that's a big difference. Yeah. So as a farmer, for you to use organic principles and rainforest is great. You Get an extra one percent, but if you're if doing that, then gives you another a college, a coffee that scores 83, you're getting 15 percent. So that, that was quite interesting in Brazil. And what's, what's quite impressive is you know, you, you get this impression. Well, I had this impression that Brazil it was like a little bit of this massive industry where literally it's churned out and there's no passion. But these guys were really passionate, I mean, they were really passionate about their coffee, very passionate about trying to figure out it and they're mad about varieties I think because they all flat mostly flat grown although the elevation is 1100 meters it's not slow low, but most of it's flat grown they concentrate much more on variety so when we walk around the one farm in 200 meters I think I taste 18 different coffees and they do actually taste quite different I mean so, for example, uh, I had this one called the Iberi Key or whatever. It was a very, very small one. It almost looks, it's actually smaller than Peaberry, the green. But it was a very super sweet. Um, it was almost like, you know, that like cherry Coke. You know, that's fake like cherry. That. That's what it tasted like. That's sweet, fake cherry. And then I had another one set of watermelon and, and uh, a, lot, like a lot of them were sugar juice. It was interesting. and, it, and I mean, the one farm, they track absolutely they track every single snake, every single bird, every single mammal every, that comes onto the farm. And they are very proud about the, the, them promoting the, the things. Um, so there was Brazil. And I look, I was quick in Brazil. I spent two days in Brazil. It was quite a rush. And then I spent a day going to Colombia. And in Colombia, it's, it's actually very hard to summary, summarize, but you get a lot of these, you get a, lay, a lot of layers of farmers who are applying different principles at different times. So you get some of the farmers who just like, and everybody processes coffee in Colombia. You literally drive down the road, you can walk off the road, and there's a guy processing his coffee. His grandfather processes it that way, and that's what they do. They chuck cherries into a big wooden funnel, they depulp de- it, they let it ferment, they let it dry, and then they sell it to Centro Cafe or C- I mean Centro C- FNC, who pay them 400, you know, pesos for per weight. So for every 90 90 plus kgs, let's call it 95 kgs of parchment, they get around about 60, 70 kilograms of coffee from that. But they pay them per per weight. They don't grade it. So the guys who are doing the, the low-end stuff. And then Caravellas come in and said, well, let's, let's start teaching the farmers when to pick, yeah. how to process, why to use floating tanks, how to, how to set a, the pulper so it doesn't damage the coffee, how much mucilage do you want in it. And what amazes me is that everywhere I went, the the, the areas produced different amounts of fruit and different amounts of mucilage on the bean. So you taste a katura in a, a, um, in uh, La Plata, near La Plata, or um, or Pe- Pedregal, and you place, taste one in Pizzolito and the fruit levels are totally different. So it's even though they're the same variety, because they've got these microclimates in Colombia, and it's hectic. Yeah. I mean, you literally drive around these massive mountains to go to these farms, and uh, it, it's different. You can taste, you can even feel the texture in the coffee. So. And they're all pricing different. And what is quite cool is when we arrived there, the guys would then say, look, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you should be concentrating on. The uh, scary thing in Colombia is Castillo is everywhere. And the, gov- the, the government has been massive into it. And the banks won't lend the farmers money unless they've grown Castillo. So, and the, the, the Castillo, for the first crop, it produces not a bad cup. But then the, the, the cup seems to be degrading, and also their production d- decreases. So it's affecting these guys badly. And now they want to pull their farm. The guys who are Caravella won't buy Castelia at all. They won't buy any Castelia. So the guys are pulling out Castelia, That's two years of production. On a three-hectare farm, that's a lot of production. Yeah. So, but amazing people. They, they've got an amazing program, which I still want to write up, called the PECA program, which is so brilliant. What they do is they, as they've going, been going to the farms, they notice some of the, one of the kids always follows them around, asks them questions, "What are you doing? why are you doing this?" And then they take those kids to the town and they teach them the QC process, so how to deparch, how to cup, how to find brocco, how to find, broca, how, to find how, how does the leaf rust affect the bean, and all these diseases they teach i mean there's, they've got the one farm we went to had four different diseases. it had this weird ant fungus, weird spider fungus. Uh, the Brocca, which the guy actually showed me i mean uh, uh, to, to take a picture, they scratch the bean, and the brocca comes out the little the little uh, uh, borer bean actually pops out going, "What the hell you scratching on my house?" and it comes out it 's tiny I mean they, uh, and uh, and also they had leaf rust there as well, which was uh, quite, yes. so this guy had been hit a third of his crop, obliterated by El Nino, basically because El Nino weakens the plants and they can 't fight these things off. Um, so yeah so you go from a farm where the guy has got a no floating tank not doing sorting not got a proper raised beds he's re- using parabolic drivers and this guy's new and he's, he's still producing you know a bit of his co- crop is quality so they're interested in him and they're going to say well if your cof- coffee can produce good quality here like that then why don't we work with you and teach you teach your pickers how to pick and you have to pay your pickers more and and let's put in a proper floating tank. Uh, and then they teach them everything. And it was quite amazing as we were going around how almost each farmer had something new to learn. And the, these kids who are taken off the farm, trained by Caravella, uh, either, either they send to their... Uh, Caravella's got this, this experimental farm, which is just mind-blowing. If you ever go to Columbia, you have to go see the farm. It's like all the trees are laden with fruits. All the all the trees look healthy. It was, it was like and the, so they train them, and so these kids go back to the farm and now they've grown up on the farm, so the farmers have got respect for them, they're not like uh you know who you what have you done so they they spent you know most of their childhood on the farm, and they tell them you know when I was a kid, this is what I was doing this is what we're doing different this is if you if you, for example, only pick only the red cherries or only the yellow cherries because there's a lot of yellow uh, yellow varieties in Colombia, a lot of yellow couture yellow bobon, even tapu. Oh, okay. A lot of it. And they process them together, which was a bit weird for me. I, was, I thought they all separated into their lots, but because they're picking all ripe, which that was a bit strange. But also they grow yeah. multiple varieties on their small farm to to try fight against all these pests. Because some of the pests like yeah. some varieties, but not others. So they would teach them. This. And so while I was there, the one guy, they educated him. And unfortunately, had to leave because to get down the mountain at night is dangerous. So we had to leave <laughs> Um, oh yes, Cuff. you answer. Hey, Cuff. Because Zayn and I are still talking. Yeah, jump in. So tell me when you're like online. Okay, ciao. Uh, uh. Oh. She's been SMSing and I don't see her. Um, so anyway, so, so we arrived the on the one farm, the first farm we arrived, the guy had in a floating tank and they said to him, look, you, need, you really need to pull this wooden tank out. I mean, look, these wooden tanks, the put water in. And then they, then they told him about he, he was replacing his parabolic drivers, dryers with proper dryers. And Alejandro was telling me that if you properly dry coffee, you extend your green life by almost three to four times. So badly dry on coffee. So like, like a lot of the raised African beds, yeah. They, they, they're they thickly packed you know have you seen the level of green bean on them they're quite thick and you see these guys yeah. turning he says it's not going to dry properly you have to have a very thin layer so the air can get to all the beans um, so they've been doing quite a lot of testing on drying and uh, this is why the, the Colombians last so much longer because they're drying them properly so oh. but that's what they do they teach them picking processing depulping all that sort of stuff let me see let me see if I can add cut cut can you see her?
1: No, I see the picture of her looking down at a at a little bunny. Hello
0: hello Ah, you there?
1: Can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can, but we can't see you. That's fine. We'll live without your video.
1: okay
0: <laughs> you want to go into oh. video you can
1: All right, uh, let me see if I can... I don't think I've set up my phone that way. Hold on. Oh, is it your phone? Yeah, it's nice. No worries. I'm in...
0: So, how are you, Kath? Thanks, and you guys? We're fine. We're fine. We feel like... uh, Kell tap I can send you the rest of the conversation first if, unless you want to ask Zen lots of questions yourself.
1: Oh, did you record all this? Yep. Oh. Adam said anything But you needed to edit out. No, oh, <laughs> um, well, I'm missing Zen. Uh, getting every like, second word. My my um Yo Yo? I my connection might be a bit sketchy. I'm in the middle of um, in, I'm in to right, White River.
0: When did you go up? Uh,
1: yesterday. Yeah.
0: Have we lost signal? Like no. Are oh, you still there? Do you not picture now?
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought if I turn off the video, then maybe it'll be quicker. Be a better reception for Kath. I don't
0: know. Uh, was it turn mine off? Does Does that help, Kath?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm getting you both loud and clear without a without a delay. I hope so. Okay,
0: when did you go up, Kath? Uh,
1: yesterday. So, well, actually, really late yesterday. So, I drove. I started driving at like uh, nine, I think. So, yeah, I got in at about half past one this morning.
0: Oh, are you going to go yeah. visit some of the high quality coffee plantations up there?
1: What the Savi Valley. Carby
0: Valley, coffee
1: farm or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Is no, unfortunately not. <laughs>
0: Sorry, what's that?
1: Isn't it called Crown something? Is that... Yeah, there, I think they,
0: they, they're further north. Uh, yeah,
1: they're more towards Vanin. Mm. Uh, I don't know where White River is. Sorry. It's above Nelspray. Do you know where Nelspray is? Oh, okay. I've been to Nelspray. <laughs> I think I might have been there. Is it near God's Window or something? Not quite as far as it, but just yes, <laughs> on the way. <laughs> I'm in the right part of the country. Yeah. 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 You're
0: so, doing well. Hello? Cut. She's gone. We've lost her. We've lost her. Uh, Looks like it's just the two of us again, Jane. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Let's try again. You know, it looks like I don't know what's happened to Cut, so I'll carry on trying. Yeah, so, anyways, so Col- uh, yeah, so Colombia, what's interesting about Colombia is that, that each farm is also slightly different. I would say, on average, they're all fermenting for a total of 36 hours, but that's a g- good estimate. Some of them are fermenting th- 12 hours on cherry, some on 24 hours off cherry, some are fermenting. Um, uh, no time on cherry, but thirty six hours in, the, in in on the on, on mucilage. Um that 's the only common thing I would say, but otherwise they 're all doing something different and you You can go see a farm where the the picking is so bad that it 's just greens and reds and all that stuff, and you really need a floating tank and then you go to another farm where everything is perfectly red so and they literally are neighbors so they're hiring similar pickers. It's just that their quality control of the pickers is different. The guys I spoke to, the guys who don't do quality picking are paying the pickers around about 400 pesos for a for a, a 12 kg load. 12 and half. You know those little... Have you seen those picking baskets they use? Oh, yes, yes. Those are, those are around about 12 and a half kgs. Um, so they pay them per load. Um, and so the guys who don't look on quality, pay about 400 pesos and the guys who are looking at quality pay, that, pay double that. Um, so it should take them 50% longer to pick a high quality bucket so they should, they should be getting more money for doing the same amount of work, for doing the same work. But the I big guess. problem is the, the mining there is quite dominant. There's a lot of um, gold in Colombia. So uh, the guys and also there's other other fruits. I mean there's, so, there's fruits I've never seen in my life in yeah. Colombia. So there's a lot of demand for the pickers. The pickers are, um, the less pickers than they are, tough to pick. If that makes sense, and uh, so the guys are struggling a bit to pick. And some of the farmers, it's only their family that pick, reliably, um, because they don't trust the pickers picking high quality. Um, the one farm the the one farmer I was really impressed with was the Euro farm, the Euro family, who we do a lot of, and they. The wife's super involved. She's coordinating the quality. Um, I did post a video on YouTube uh, where she's done a poem to coffee um, in Spanish. And uh, but you go look at the parchment, and the parchment's very same color, very impressive. And uh, um, and that sort of thing was like really. It was quite nice going to see people like that because they are um, they're really passionate about it. And they also they 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 got a three hectare farm and I asked them why don't you buy a bigger farm? They said, Well we want to be we want to do quality. Now we'd rather do three hectares of quality, uh of superb quality and try to get double A, triple A, and micro lot coffees than expand our farm to five hectares and have only a smaller amount being double A, triple A and micro lot. So the way um Caravella do it is they they rate their coffees on the scoring te- scoring. So eighty-three 83 to 85 is an A, 85 to 87 is an A, 87 to 89 to 90, or 89 is a triple A, and 89 plus is a micro lot. So that's how they rate their coffee. So they're cupping. And I mean, I did did some QC with them. That was very interesting. The guys are really good. I mean, it took me about half an hour to do what these guys do in about eight minutes. Um, And then I did some basic roasting with the guys, but we cupped with them. Uh, and that was interesting. I mean, these guys are, I mean, the oldest person who in the QC that we I saw was 28. Uh, but most of them are 19, 20, 21, 22, because they're these guys who come off the farm. And they cup well. I mean, and they don't score like, like on a S-C-A-S, they score in their head. Um, and they, their scores are, are accurate, really accurate, really impressive. Um, and great flavor notes and uh, really good at picking up um, defects and I was quite impressed, I mean we cupped the one night we cupped nine coffees that, because they cup at the end of the day and none of them scored more than 83 so those coffees were all um, I think one reject was accepted for release to blend and the others were all rejected so that's quite a high um, percentage yeah, oh, geez and and even to get cut, they've got to pass a certain um, uh, the group 1 and group 2. You know the SCAA form where they've got group 1 and group 2 uh, defects? Um, oh, yeah. so, so they've got to have a certain number of group 1 and group de- g- defects uh, removed from the green. And if they don't have those percentages, then they don't, um, then they fail, the coffee fails. So if they've got too much rust damage or broker or insect damage, they it fails straight off, and they were telling me the farmers are clever, they park, they they package all the bad coffees in the middle, and then they put all the good coffees around the side. So when you open the bag, it looks like the coffee's good, and meantime, they've hidden all the bad coffees in between. So they have to do these samples this cross, they put this massive sword thing through the bag to do a sample, so they actually go across like a zigzag. No, like a X shape through the bags to try to get a proper sample, um, but they were t- they were basically Caravella are the people that all the farmers want to sell to, and then they then underneath that is the, the Swiss and Italian companies that are the large Italian companies and large Swiss companies, and then underneath that is um, will be like the 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 there's two big carps The one carp pays a little bit more than the other because they do some grading. And then there's the other one, which basically pays them per weight. Um, so they try and sell as much as they can to Caravella first. And what Caravella does is they pay them eight uh, eight hundred eight hundred mil uh, pesos. It's a good rate. It's, it's double what they're getting paid to um, to the the guys at the bottom. So uh, that's cool. Uh, so that's two hundred and sixty five dollars for. So it's basically kilo, uh, a dollar per pound. That's what it works. Which is quite a high rate, because it's parchment, not green. Yes, uh, yes. And then what they do is they so Caravelle pay that, and then that's how they make their money of that. And then any any grading above that, they then pay the farmer that amount extra. So if 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 for example that translates to they're selling that to us at four dollars uh, a pound. Four dollars twenty a pound. If we four dollars a pound for an A, which we don't buy, we buy the double A's. Um, then the so the twenty cents extra, that whole twenty cents goes back to the farmer.
1: Ah, that's cool. Yeah.
0: So the, every single thing above the the base payment, that all of that that they charge us, goes back directly to the farmer. But it goes as a as a um, only when it hits the QC. So it takes him about a month to get it. So they get their coffee, so they get their 800 pesos, and then they then, a month later, will suddenly get another payment for the the number of A's, double A's, triple A's, and lots in their coffees, which they then sort. And they've got this massive sorting area um, in Bogota, uh, like a thousand samples at a time that they're processing. Um, And those are the ones that are really being QC'd in the in the uh, QC labs at all the different local places. So they've got like 18 QC labs in, uh, all over Colombia. The funny thing is they mill in in, uh, in um, uh, Armenia, but they don't grow, and none of the coffee is taken there because the coffee is really low-grade in Armenia. Armenia is where most of the coffee in Colombia is grown because it's very flat. So most of the coffee you get out, so the Excelsos and Supremios and all those sort of coffees come from Armenia. So uh. And Caravella, they said they just haven't found a good quality coffee there. So they've just, they don't, even though their largest, la, their, their deep parchment and optical sorting area is there, they, um, and their final QC is there, they don't buy any coffee in Armenia. Armenia. Um, um, and everything's trucked because the, it's mad. I mean, we went from one place to another with 140 kilometers, three and a bit hours drive so it 's all these mad roads that go around mountain passes and and then you stop and you, these roads are all bumpy, and there 's this massive truck transporting goods on these roads that are just not quite as the most dangerous roads in the world, but they 're pretty they're pretty steep so <laughs> yeah so that was that 's a quick summary but it was it was what was really awesome is to meet people you know who they 're roasting coffee on their farms they 're tasting they're drinking their own coffee i mean the one, the Euros, when we went to the Euros, um, we must have had six, seven cups of coffee. And it was, it was no, you know, one of the things that irritates me is this obsessive discussion about how caffeine affects people. Because I think to people, I think I always find that nobody talks about this when they drink beer. They don't go, oh, I'm getting pissed. That's my sixth beer. I'm getting pissed. But they talk about it the coffee. And we, we must have had coffee after coffee. And in fact, uh, I, I still, even on the farms, even though they were, I asked for another cup of coffee, and they just, ma- they just make another cup of coffee. It's really nice. Uh, very nice people, and, uh, and they make it themselves. It's Everything's made properly and really well made. They drink it black. Uh, the one farmer, I had the AeroPress with me, but I felt it's a bit much going through these farmers. and telling them how to make coffee, but the one farmer was very interested. How do I make coffee? So well, I don't always use AeroPress, but this is what I did, and I made him AeroPress, and then I showed him how to make AeroPress, and he was quite fascinated about it. He was quite fascinated. Oh, yeah, so this is why they're making coffee. And uh, I told him about blooming and all that stuff. But, I mean, you must understand it's all English to Spanish, Spanish to English. That's quite an interesting discussion. But he, uh, we made on his farm, uh, I took the relationship blend, which has organica in it. So his farm contributes to organica. And uh, he was, like, really impressed with the way coffee tastes and, it was quite fascinated, asked me a lot about how we roast um, and that was, that was quite nice you know, to meet people in, in very different countries and realize that you, you've got a common goal of producing really good coffee um, and also for me more importantly that you're not producing coffee as a, as, a, as a just a thing for people to drink in a coffee shop and not really appreciate, it's like these are people who really appreciate their coffees you know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like going to a top wine farm. You go, you go speak to the wine taster, and he knows his. He knows his wine. Yes, he makes a low entry level wine, but that's not the wine he takes home and drinks. Um, yes. So.
1: No, that's very cool.
0: And that 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 was you know that whole connection was really awesome, and um, I I really it reignited my own passion and seeing seeing how us just paying you know two dollars extra how much that affects people's lives, I mean, the, the, one of the guys that sent his his son to town to work, because they don't make money, enough money, they weren't making enough money five years ago, and then they discovered Caravella, and they worked with Caravella, and specifically this guy worked very hard uh, with Caravella, uh, Jaime Cas- Cas- Casalias, or Jaime Casalias, as they call him in Spanish, I always get it wrong. Um, and now the the sun 's moving back they 're planning on building a warehouse on the farm they 're planning they, they 've got humidity controllers in their dryer in in their in, in their raised dryers you know you yeah. know you see this total investment and he 's moved away from doing you know he, he's so he was planting tomatoes and and other things but they 're not profitable because there 's no obviously special grade tomato or special degrade you know um fruits yeah. so, so he 's Part of his farm is now dedicated to grow, he's now planted geisha there, and uh, oh. I had some of the Colombian geisha. It's quite interesting. In fact, when I when I did my blind cupping of the twenty cups, twenty coffees, my two most standout coffees for me was they've got a new decaf which I scored eighty seven and a half, which I really liked. So I want to try to get that, um, and then the geisha. I really like the geisha. Um, very fruity. You know, to me, what amazes me about Gaisha is they've got all these natural flavors, The co- coffees that you get out of a natural without it being a natural. So it's, it's quite an yeah. interesting coffee.
1: I wonder if you can get a... I'm sure you could, but I'd like to see someone do a decaf Gaisha.
0: <laughs> yeah, it might be an interesting one because... Um, but they decafing in, the sugar, in their sugar, sugar cane, it's quite... You know, it's not like sugar cane here. Their sugar canes aren't very highly processed. So you can actually buy raw... Processed uh, um, sugar there, which they call something with a with a p. I can't remember it. Uh,
1: you can make up a word. I wouldn't know if you're telling the truth or not.
0: <laughs> it's hard to extract. It's almost like a, a brown sugar with molasses. That's what it tastes like. Oh, okay. So it's actually quite a rich. It's not a super sweet um, um, product. Uh, um, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. You know, like to me, sugar's too sweet. Um,
1: yes, when you see like
0: organic brown sugar, panella—that's what they call it. panela. Okay. So, um, and you can buy it, and they, you can buy it either as whole or as, and they buy—you actually buy panela, and they cook with it. So they cook with Paniella. Um, and they make their, their hot, like when you order chocolate there it's actually a drink it's not a, something you eat in a bar um, so all the chocolate bars there are actually American they're not made in Colombia yeah. and they make even, they even make a panela uh, juice, uh, hot juice which you you, di- you dip this cheese in and you eat it like that so uh, but <laughs> some of the coffees i mean yeah. you can actually taste that paniella in in the in the decaf it's a very sweet decaf um, because they use a byproduct of the sugarcane production to decaffeinate the, the coffee so yes okay and the 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 guys who because vermex which became caravella they originally started off as in fruit importing into the uk um and they now are looking at exporting panela ah oh. Yeah, so because it's now there's a, a a popular there's a it's become quite popular. Um, I've never seen it before. I mean, you know, we're a sugar cane producing country, and I don't know about this stuff. So shows you.
1: Well, it makes sense that you get different types of like different varieties of sugar.
0: Yeah, I, I know. I know the molasses is normally separated out of the sugar, which is what they use for rum. Uh, although I, I'm sure somebody will correct me on this, but, but I. That, that, that sugar was nice, and it was really nice. And I, it was quite funny because we had this soupy, this like sweet soupy thing, which I did. And then I went to the cupping table, and I'm I, been trying to on the cupping table, I've been trying to try to stick to the SCAA, uh flavor wheel to try, you know, not to use descriptors that aren't there. And it's difficult because sometimes you pick up the coffee and you taste this again. This is this is Panela and it's not on the list. <laughs> so I've <laughs> got to find another way to describe it. It's not there. Um, yeah. Although I know they're updating the wheel, but i will be trying to make sure that we do do as many descriptors as close to the wheel as possible. Um, so rather than, like, I know that um, there has been the latest has been he, he described it as as Kit Kat so I was like, you'd rather describe it as baker's chocolates and biscuits. You know, you understand? You know, like, yes. yes. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so it was cool. I, was, I really, uh, I mean, I hard to summarise everything. I haven't written up everything on our website because um, there are a couple of things I wanted to check the names now because a lot of a lot of my posts I did we, I did under, while I was writing in the back of a, a truck, you know. So, so if you're planning on coming back, is it about a month's time?
1: Yeah, uh, probably, a month, four to five weeks. Okay. I'll try yeah. bring back some coffee.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just, actually, I'm interested to try this, uh, Brazilian from has been like the, the, the uh, um, Kuchero, isn't it?
1: I don't um, know. To be honest, I haven't. Cause he's got I've a, many, Bra- it has been here once. Actually, It's actually one of the local cafes around the corner. It's like in this back alley. And I, I found it the last time I was up here. Um, like this little cafe and you go inside and there's has been everywhere and you actually it is it's quite good uh, but it's like I think it was a jailbreak blend which is quite nice
0: if you if you give me a physical address I'll get it sent to you because you know
1: he does that sort of thing so yeah um yes I can definitely do that i will i i'll I'll send it to you via email or something like that yeah um at, at the London Coffee Festival, one of my highlights was finally getting to meet one of our farmers, which is the Panama our Panama farmer, um, Caraciano Cruz. Oh, okay. That's, um very, sorry you're saying?
0: Must have been interesting to meet him.
1: Yeah, very cool. I didn't get to chat too much. Everyone was trying to just say hello to him and um, that he had he, he didn't have much time in London before flying out to too. Somewhere, <laughs> I don't know. He, he goes all over the. But we, um, he partners with our directors quite a bit, and he he does some work in El Salvador, and um, they got a couple projects in Ethiopia where he actually goes and helps some of the farms in the wild. There's, there's this wild um, coffee, wild forest coffee um, district in or area near, it's near Ishlimu.
0: Oh, uh, that's Ormia. Um, I know they're calling it, they're calling it wild forest coffee. It seems to be quite popular at the moment. I've seen a lot of that available. Uh, we actually might have to use it to replace our limu because I, my my year's stock of limu is almost gone, and I can't get yeah, it. Yeah, no,
1: it's it's not it's not that one, but it's a similar type concept where it's uh, it's in this big conservation area, and the locals that just live around there discovered coffee there, and they realised. I mean, as you do in Ethiopia. And. <laughs> Then they figured out, and they got a bit of research into um, into harvesting and whatever. So they'd cut back some of the leaves and branches in those areas just to let more light through. Oh. Um, but he's teaching them how to do those types of things and starting off and just like how to pick better and how to process better and how to sort better and those types of things. So he's, he does quite a lot of work there as well. Um, but yeah, it's very cool to to see him and just. Yeah, there's so many people. I, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to, to speak to to Steve. I wanted to go and say hello to him, um, but he was always flooded with people and he was emceeing and things like that. But it was very cool to him.
0: Yeah, he did. He did his um uh, in my mug at Glenda Coffee Fest on the Malkonic stand. Um, oh, yeah, I've been trying to watch them almost every time. A lot of this, this stuff repeated, but uh, it's always interesting. I always love what he has to say. You know, he's one of these people in the coffee industry whose opinions I think matter. And and I, I must say, you, you must try to convince union to send you, you to origins. So, and it really is amazing to go meet these people on their farms. Um, I'm really glad, glad I did it. I'm trying to get to Ethiopia as well this year. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I was trying to organise it with Jonathan.
1: Unfortunately, because of my my role is now. Out of that part of the, 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 um, that department of the company. It's not really, there's more value in sending other people. But if I was going to go to an origin, they would definitely help set me up and get me to those things. Um,
0: well, you never know what six months is going to bring.
1: Yeah, you never know. I, I'm, I was so keen and dead set on the WBC. Now I'm realizing I might actually be in South Africa around that time or, or it'll be the weekend after I arrive and I can't just like leave my family and just say cheers. I'll see you <laughs> even though it's like going to be really cheap. Like I can get a return flight for 25 pounds to Jeez. Dublin and back and
0: take the family with.
1: Yeah. I could, see, I'll just stay at like an Airbnb. I suppose we could all, yeah. It's, see, I'd go do loads of coffee things and they would, the, the one thing I said to my mom is I'll, I'll I'll come and fetch her and drop her off at my home and she can be there and help me, help my wife with the kids. <laughs> I mean, it would only be like two or three nights.
0: Okay. Anyway. Well, we must still try and do these Skype calls. Or maybe we do it once a month or something. I'm still keen to get your recording of that, that other guy. Um,
1: no, no, I'm keen to. You. Yeah, next time we should try and schedule a, a, a catch-up and... Maybe have a topic as well. Okay. Hopefully by then, um, this new guy that's joined, he he's based in Bath and Bristol, and he says the coffee scene is like really amazing. Um, so he said, I'm just giving a heads up, and we'll go do like a coffee tour one day. So, I can give like a little feedback as to what that's like. Oh, I went. What? Did, sorry, I, it's been so long. I I managed to go to Out of the Box as well. Oh,
0: really? On.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. Like, I I heard a talk by Enrico Verm from um, from Lamazaka. He's one of his pet projects on the side's been researching water as well, and he was saying like his talk was so awesome because he explained some of the more complex things. Yet he used diagrams and things to explain it in such a way that I, it actually clicked and made sense. Okay. Um, um, so they, I think, they're going to be teaming up with BWT, yeah, which is a company I've only heard of when I got here. Um, I think it's called Better Water Technologies. Um, they've been doing; they've got; a, they've already got a couple of like of. They're looking at um, doing very specialized filter systems, and they're already doing them with like they'll have one with a carbon, sorry, with a um, magnesium it lets magnesium into the water or another one does something else or, so there's a couple of them that they're doing already and they're doing quite well. Um, I think they're going to try and partner and do some extra stuff with Lamazoka. But what was really nice is he, he explained it to people like who kind of heard that water is important, but he did it in a very, like, you need that, you need that scientific approach like that, like water for coffee Mm -hmm. Um, but not everyone can understand that like I wouldn't understand that
0: well to me the scientific approach, why it's important why I read that part, is sort of you understand that there's a chemical reaction going in where something has to react with the coffee and that's essentially what you're doing, you need some some good reactions and some bad reactions with coffee Um, and once you understand that there's basically chemistry is chemistry and what you want to try to do is control the chemistry which is what he spends the I mean the first third of the book is basically saying this is the chemistry and this is the physics and this is what we're trying to control and I'm glad I read that I mean, it took me a long time to get through the book that part of the book but then I flew through the I mean if I think of the to read the first chapter the time it took me to read the first chapter is as much time as it took me to read the, the last five chapters
1: <laughs>
0: because it was hairy, you know. But I'm glad yeah. I read it because I've got an idea. I wouldn't have said I've got a full idea but I understand basically why why you would want to add stuff in. Also, I realize that the Cape Town water is really good and we shouldn't be filtering it. We shouldn't be filtering this coffee. No,
1: yeah, we shouldn't. Um, Enrico actually said there's a couple places in the world that he's used as a study and he uses Cape Town as a case study because he's like, Everyone there, you buy. I mean, up until about a year or two ago, you buy a coffee machine in Cape Town, and you get a although that probably works to the price, you get a free filter yeah. or a free softener. And he said, actually, that's the worst thing you can do because there's not much in, there's not much left in the water, and you're going to just take out what the good things that are there. You're, yeah. So you essentially
0: back- want a particle filter. You don't want a you don't want a softener filter.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, in town, geez, we're like at a TDS of 70-something.
0: Which is what you want. If you look at the graph in the book, TDS of between 50 and 70 is perfect.
1: So I thought it was higher than that. I thought it was like, um, well, not according to that book. According to what I'd read before is you want actually about 90 to 100-something. That's actually a bit low.
0: I'll give you the graph at the back. He says... Yeah, he says twenty-five to seventy-five.
1: A TDS or something else?
0: Uh, your carbon hardness.
1: See, that's yeah, that's the carbon hardness. The t- mm. what, your um, general
0: hardness is in fifty and one hundred and seventy-five.
1: So, so TDS is just saying there's uh, there's
0: there's stuff in the water. We just don't know what six it is.
1: Lots of stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: and he's yeah. saying like, which doesn't help. But so off that, you got to break it down between the good and the bad. But
0: he's well, like. For Yacht.
1: service selling, that's already like does it's not a good start. Like, why you shouldn't be trying to filter filter anything. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, when we did the SA roasters thing, uh, the so that, the water coming out out of the concentration tap and the observatory tap were the, were were better than the the spring water. The spring water was better. It wasn't as good because it was a little bit too um, low in uh, carbonate. Hot. Uh, in general hardness not carbon hardness. In spring yeah it's just too low the KH is too high in the spring so
1: yeah that's the thing is like I was chatting to the guy one or two people and they said the water you want to drink is not necessarily the water you want in your coffee
0: yeah I definitely would agree with that
1: but also you can taste it so the water that actually tastes pretty good in your mouth might actually end up being too soft for, for coffee or something you know Mm. Yeah. This is quite interesting to think of, you know? I mean, I must
0: wrap up now because we, we're taking too long. But the one thing I loved about the tour was spending time with people who are genuinely interested in coffee. Gen- I mean, they're genuinely interested in coffee and making coffee better. You know, they're not talking about the size of the cups and the dose in the cups and the, you know, you know the pattern on the milk. And they're talking about coffee. And that's actually what. If I had to summarize what I loved about my trip is the fact that I was talking about coffee, growing coffee, drinking coffee, and not talking about people behind a counter preparing coffee, uh, which maybe I've just been over overexposed to in the last three months, but I'm, I, I just feel that the, there's too much concentration done to the people serving the coffee. There really is. They, what, this, I mean I, when I went to go see um, Jaime Casalias, I was actually nervous. I mean here's a man whose coffee I absolutely loved, and I'm going to go meet him. And I thought to myself, what a, this is silly. I wasn't. I'm not intimidated to go meet you know the South African barista company, uh, champ. No, <laughs> but I'm saying I'm not impressed. I'm not. It's not uh, uh, to me, this is I- like, like me going to go meet Bono. You understand? I mean, if, if I had to go meet Bonner, I'd probably be as anxious as I was meeting Jaime Casales because this guy is passionate and loves growing good coffee. And there are not that many people like that. Yeah. So, but in, in every element of pers- people that I saw, there was an element of that person in them. They want to do better, they want to grow better coffee. We, I mean, the guy who runs Organica, he's mad. He's actually mad. I mean, he lives and breathes coffee. You can see, you ask him a question, he, the passion in his discussion. I mean, the woman who was translating was saying, Well, I can't really like, tell you what he's saying because he's like, saying a lot of stuff, so I'm trying to summarize what he said. <laughs> <laughs> because he was like, bla, 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 and then she'd say, Well, he says this. <laughs> and it was like he had given her you know, 10 minutes of discussion, and she gave me one 30 seconds of translation. Um, and he's passionate about, you know, promoting um, coffees that are grown in that area, and how he he has got this vehement hate the way these um, uh, government corporations are trying to introduce these strange varieties into the in, into the area, and he doesn't want them. So he's he's running his own blind test and his own list. He's convinced one of the farmers to give him a piece of land. His his own farm is a test lab. And you you say so like he, this guy's passionate and has a has a, a reason to be an arsehole and he's not an
1: arsehole yeah, and you, but you find that up here as well. You get guys that are some people you meet, and you're like, wow, this guy is going to probably be like this pompous, arrogant arsehole and you're like, oh wow, this guy's actually really cool. And then you meet some people, and you're like, you don't really have a right to be an arsehole, Why? Why are you? You know like also I mean people like James Hoffman I mean have you met him
0: um I saw him I
1: yeah
0: I can imagine he's quite an interesting guy to meet
1: yeah you would definitely be interesting
0: oh anyway look let me let you he's, go
1: he's really tall he's like really he's almost, he's almost like his, his shoulders come my head comes up to like his shoulders he's like <laughs> really tall um <laughs> I, love- I had a really good experience there. Um, he did like a they, they they call it the square mile canteen. So you come, you get this, you get like a tray and with a placemat and like they they used coffee or some type of coffee thing across each thing. So there was like this rye bread with some type of like with um, oh they with they used chaff butter. Yeah, <laughs> they, made, they used chaff in, and made a batter from it, and then they went to, to the next thing. and They used they had a whole bunch of different things. Um, really good, um, but like, yeah, like amazing experience, but not really approachable to any, like no one's going to go home and do that themselves at home, you know. But it was really good.
0: But isn't that what like a London coffee fest should be doing? Is doing pushing the limits and saying. This is what you can do if you're really mad.
1: <laughs> no, it's good. You need, you need, um, yeah, you need, you need that. Um, and then, and then you go upstairs, and then we had on our stand, you have more like, more approachable, and you had so many people saying, like, wow, like, I, I really got that. And I, like. So,
0: what were you guys saying?
1: We'd have a cupping, we'd have a, um, we had all these different bowls in front with and each each bowl had a basic type. So there was like citrus fruits and then there was just general fruits and there was nuts and, and things like that. And then there's another one with, with chocolate in it. So it's basically like we got different origin, single origins that had like very clear flavor profiles to so try and show people that on the one hand, the coffees are different, but on the other hand, it's to try and help them see what they like. And help them to see that they actually can identify basic things like that. That that, that it's not like just for in, every. It's not specialized people who can do it. Um,
0: anyway, let me let you go. It's getting late. There, you. What's it? What, it's, it's ten o'clock here, so ten past nine there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Still lights outside. <laughs> um i've surfed till darker than this before a couple of times okay it, oh I'll last look. last thing hmm? one of the I'd, okay, I'd say i tried about say 30 different coffees at the london coffee festival so maybe for, let's say 40 actually and i'd say in the top 10 probably at about number 10 or 9 maybe even a little better, but I'm just, I'm, I'm a little biased. I don't really like Geisha so much was I had Lona Dashwood's pod Geisha.
0: Yeah. I've been hearing some good things about the, these pods. What is he doing differently? Do you know?
1: He's just, um, I think he's just grinding fresh and getting them sealed quickly and he's using really good coffee and his coffee tastes really good. So the
0: old image yeah. of good coffee will, will out.
1: Yeah, I mean he didn't just throw it in there. He, that obviously, he obviously, I mean you know he would be the type of guy to experiment, but it is really good. Hmm. Surpri- Surprising, I mean, I think I had that and I had one. I had a Colombian espresso and I actually think I preferred the Geisha from the pod machine more. Um, but then I had another one of his espressos that was really good the next day. And I had a filter coffee, and they were all, all really good.
0: Really? Where is he getting his coffee from?
1: Isn't That's he... a very good question. I have no idea. I think he. He's not has been, is he? No. Oh, interesting.
0: Is, is he roasting himself?
1: I actually don't know much about him. I, I will find out more because this guy's just joined. His name's Sam. He's just joined us. He worked a, well, for the group. So. And he'll know in that area. Oh, and I got to play on the, make a couple of coffees on the Cafe Racer and on the, on the opera. Well, I've made on the opera, but on the opera with, and it's cool because they had the lunar scales from Akaya um, and they they the group head. So you can't use it on a different group head. And you put it there, and as soon as um, you activate the group head, coffee land in the scale, it automatically it tears just before. So you don't have to... It's, it's quite cool. They talk to each other.
0: Okay. That's, uh, and, and did you like it? Was that one of your other highlights of London Coffee Fest?
1: Yeah, that was really cool to see and to do that.
0: Anyway, well, let me let you go. I'll, I'll try to see if... Um... If another time but i otherwise we'll just schedule it uh for another time anyway i'll i'll I'm sure I can take some some of the most of the stuff out of this Well, that's two hours we, <laughs> we can uh like I'll try to take all your stuff of London Coffee fest to put it in one section
1: yeah well you focus on your trip in London coffee festival, I suppose
0: yeah. Although I mean, hard to summarise my two-week trip into the words I did, but uh, you know what I mean, eh? yeah. Uh,
1: Anyway,
0: okay, cool. Good to see you, Zane. I miss you. We miss you in Cape in Cape Town. The voice, the voice of reason.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I miss you guys as well.
0: (laughs) Well, one day we hope, hopefully, we'll be sitting around a coffee table and laugh about
1: this. Yeah, hopefully you came up this way. That that's the one thing about the London, um, the UK, that I'm really liking and finding strange is, you'll drive through this little town. It's literally like probably got like two cafes and one sh- shop and one petrol station, and you and you look and like that cafe is run by someone who worked in London, and it's like a full-on specialty cafe. They got like Lamazokas and three grinders and multiple roasters, and you're like, What the hell are you doing out here? And they're like, Well, you know, I grew up in this area, I wanted a bit of a quieter life, and we, you know, like we're part of the community doing well out here. So it's, yeah. it's quite weird to see that. You, fi- you come across decent coffee in like the weirdest place here, whereas in South Africa, it's like a- around Cape Town a bit, around Durban a little bit, and around Joburg a bit, and then like, Oh, yeah. Maybe a Donnie in PE. <laughs> that's All about right. it.
0: That's why That's cool. Anyway. Okay, cool. Thanks for taking your time. Chat to you soon. Cool. Thanks, sir. Ciao.